to CDS Insight Podcast presented by LSCSU China Development Society, featuring vibrant intellectual conversations among students, professionals, and entrepreneurs. Today, so let's move on to real estate. Um, so China's real estate market has been called the most important sector in the world economy, valued at 55 trillion USD dollars. It is now twice the size of its US equivalent and four times larger than China's GDP. Taking into account construction and other property-related goods and services, the annual housing activity accounts for about 30% of China's GDP, far above the 10% to 20% typical of most developed nations. A liquidity crisis at property group Evergrande has also raised concerns about the sustainability of the sector. So um, the question is, can you give us a brief overview on China's real estate environment and also why is China cracking down on its real estate? Why is China cracking down now? Um, would Professor Brown like to take the question first? Yeah, I, look, I mean, firstly, I've been looking at this story since 2007, and every single year I've been told there was a property bubble, the property market's going to collapse. You know, maybe it will happen one day. But I mean, the problem is if it happens, then the whole globe has a massive problem. That's number one. Number two, um, which government does not say uh, property is not an investment it is, uh, you know, kind of to live in, that every single investor would say the best returns are always in real estate, okay? You know, forget Bitcoin, forget stocks, forget shares. If in Britain you had put uh, £100,000 into property in 1990, you would be a millionaire now. You would be a millionaire, very easy. I'm sure that's true in China several times over. So although Xi Jinping and the kind of government have said, they cannot, you know, have um, a property market, which is an investor's vehicle. Well, then they're going to have to think of new investment vehicles to create. And also with Evergrande and other examples, I mean, clearly it doesn't seem like they can fail. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I hear that there's maybe, you know, a bailout or some help for Evergrande. I, I don't really know what it looks like for having a failing Chinese property market, because that means a completely failing Chinese economy. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that the government can do before then. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, maybe I'm too complacent and I should, I should be more worried. I mean, I, I am worried because I think it's not great, but I, I don't think this story has ever stopped since 2008, when I was told Beijing and Shanghai property were more expensive than Sydney and London. So, I mean, it's, it seems that this is, this is not the new normal. This is the old normal, just carrying on. That's all I've got to say. Does Professor Biar has any questions or would you like to supplement anything? Yeah, I think, well, so the question is, uh, what is the uh, overview? Um, yeah, because I, during my uh, field work on labor migration, labor outer migration, the year, 1998 was a very important turning point when you know government tried to um, uh, have this housing reform, which started a little earlier, which is a privatized you know this Stanway housing, and uh, turn it to a private uh, uh, house, and then because of financial crisis 1997, uh, then the government did the two things which touch on our topic both ways. Number one is the 1998, a massive 
enlargement of courage enrollment, right? So that's a create, uh, it's a massification of higher education at the same time, introduce a tuition fee for college. So it's a massification plus a commodification and create what do we call the involution, education involution, and then you have private tuition come in. Uh, then uh, number two policy is to make housing uh, a sector, a, a, a competitive com a commercial uh, a sector. And after that, I do, there's a you know, interesting, I mean, the people have their own property, so they use their property as a security to invest in business, including for going overseas, to take loans and go overseas, and also the pressure to buy properties and the, the pressure to buy in order to get married, but also the incentive to buy as investment. So in order to do that, they go overseas, you know, to, to earn money. So it changed the social behavior tremendously. And we know lots of uh, uh, the uh, part of life was touched uh, by that, uh, uh, by the real estate uh, sector, marriage. Right, the, the 2008, the, the Supreme Court issued the interpretation of marriage law, which now you have this uh, uh, prenup uh, um, agreement, uh, contract relation about, you know, to define who the property is, how it is before marriage, just to, to avoid any further disputes when you get divorced. So you turn marriage into a kind of commercial contract mainly because of the concern about the, uh, the real estate the properties. So that's, that's uh, and then the reason why uh, the government want to crack down, I think, I mean, this is probably the part of the reason. I mean, there is a, a kind of a, a huge trap and ordinary people feel they're trapped as they become so-called fangnu, you know, that's how the slave, they, they live the life just to, to earn money to pay mortgage and then the, the, the pressure uh, that come from that uh, ever in increasing uh, property price, but yet they don't know what is the way out and does that affect the family relations, love and all that. I think that popular probably discontent is a, I mean, that has been voiced again and again, uh, is probably behind of this, uh, 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 crack down too. Yeah. So that's what I, I add just for now. Yeah. Thank you, Professor Biao. Um, moving on to our second question. So do you guys think that housing policy is currently the central path of President Xi's political drive? And also, if China's real estate driven growth model is running out of steam, what do you envision as the next growth engine? Do we consider green technology as a potential savior? Um, would Professor Biao like to take the question first? I mean, as I said before, I mean, where is property not an enormously important driver of, of growth? And, you know, I mean, real estate the world over is key to, to any sort of well-functioning economy, but, but it's also out of control in many places. So, again, I, you know, it's very strange. These policy issues, we talked about education, lots of common challenges, China and Europe and America, lots of common challenges. And yet we all say that we're very, very different. And then real estate, you know, I imagine the position of a young person in Shanghai or Beijing living with their parents because they can't afford a house when they're in their late 20s is the same as some, you know, young people living in London. Um, I mean, 
it's really what what part does this play in the overall plan you know this comprehensive plan of common prosperity i mean i don't think any government in modern history has made as many promises as the current chinese one i mean and and if you look at um two documents xi jinping's you know talk to the um the very long three hour you know 30 minute talk to the congress in 2017 you know the last third of that is a list of promises you know we will do this we will do that you know and then if you look at the resolution on party history which was issued last month i mean it's not really about history it's about the future i mean so again i mean i think a third of it is actually about the past <laughs> um the rest of it is about promises in 10 areas i think ecological civilization and you know kind of um, common prosperity so, I mean, this is an enormous set of promises and housing reform is one of them. Now, to get a sense of how hard it's going to be to deliver on these promises, even in 15 years, so by 2035, um, you know, if you just look at one issue like housing reform, you can see how much vested interest there is, how much inequality there is, how much... Um, risk there is if you get it wrong um and you know the fact is that people in china want investment uh, vehicles but they also want good quality places to live right i mean so this is not an easy set of things to solve on the whether green the greening of the economy will be a driver of growth i mean the thing is it is pretty clear if you accept climate change is caused by fossil fuels which seems to me a sensible thing to do and i don't think the chinese government deny this <laughs> unlike members of the australian government who still quaintly believe that you know there's nothing to do with coal and climate change but i mean the chinese government does accept that wisely um you it's not a this is not a question about this being a driver of driver of growth um you just have to have green growth whatever the question is is the green growth going to be um, enough? Is it going to be fast enough? And is it going to actually be, um, you know, uh, I mean, if you green your economy, um, you're going to have costs. You know, if you kind of modernize factories and have them use different forms of energy, you're going to have costs. The costs of production in China now are higher than they were in the past because of you know, ecological considerations, which is good, but it means that China is no longer competitive in some areas compared to Vietnam or India for manufacturing. So, you know, it's not really about whether you can make green um, technology and green energy. I mean, for sure, you can eventually make them drivers of high growth, but they have, you have to um, increasingly have a green economy. Now, I mean, COP26, um, everyone was very, very, I mean, very mixed views about its outcome. But the thing is, this agreement is the first, well, this agreement is a, a first step. And it is pretty clear that everyone has got to accelerate by 2030. Now, all this stuff about 2030 being when you kind of cap carbon emissions, it's got to be sooner. So I suspect the Chinese government tactically has got lots more it's going to do, uh, which will be quicker than it says. 
Um, and I suspect that that's why it's committing huge amounts to research and development. So I mean, that will be a form of growth, but there'll be big costs associated with that. But I don't think you can avoid it. It's not avoidable. Thanks. Thank you, Professor Brown. Um, would Professor Biao like to add anything? Yeah, just uh, I would, uh, the Kerry has said very well about this issue. Just one quick, um, well, um, probably statement or, or, or uh, uh, a, a suggestion that I really want um, to say that I personally support this experiment to crack down on the real estate uh, uh, economy. And I really wanted to call people in different walks of life in different parts of the world also pay attention to that and the support if they they can the, for there's two points to be made around this issue number one i think um, it is a right way to if it is effective to reach common prosperity i support the chinese government this line of thinking in that the common prosperity should not be achieved by having increasing income level for all the population. That game is over. Now the, the priority should be reducing expense for everyday life, should be reducing the pressure. So it should not by encouraging, you know, market the transaction, you make more trade, et cetera. No, it should be the reverse. Right? Should, should constrain the role of market in our life. So number two is that about your question, whether or not, you know, okay, real estate economy is such a big part of the, the general GDP and uh, what will be the new agent, engine of growth. That is very, very difficult. A huge amount of vested interests are involved. How can you have soft landing uh, in this sector? But so many houses that now have been already built. I mean, I don't have the very accurate data about this oversupply. But are you going to blow them up or are you going to keep them empty? We know from this is from probably from American and the UK experiences. If you have empty house there, it's a hotbed of all kinds of social problems. Probably the last solution is to blow them up if no one can buy. And, uh, that's, that's difficult. But on the other hand, I mean, we know what the economy is. I mean, it's basically a question of counting. Uh, you know, the, the real estate become a, such a big business is because you, you put the price on the value, uh, in the land and then local government use that money to finance even further infrastructure development in cities. So then you create this kind of a loop and then price goes up and then it's all count as a, it's a, it's a, it's a big part of, of economy. People, people keep people very busy and it's true. The real estate sector is a sector many people are working and a lot of activities are taking place. But if you look at what they really deliver, if you count the economy that way, then they're not much, right? So, uh, then you need a kind of a new, 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 new science and also new perception to understand what these activities are or are. You know, have all these cranes everywhere. You know, so so much amount of cement that being consumed. You know, how shall we give uh, to to count all these activities? Uh, is this a construction or it's a matter of waste? So finally, I mean, the, probably the question is not uh, uh, about what will be the new engine of growth but the rather, what should be the new turning point towards degrowth? 
Uh, the, 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 now the key question is not how to keep the economy, uh, keep growing, but the question is just to stabilize it and to think what does it actually deliver, regardless whether or not these deliverables can be, uh, have, you know, to be turned into monetary value, therefore contribute to the GDP figure. This is a need a shift in our mindset. Thanks. Got it. Well, thank you very much, prof professors. Um, if there's no more questions, uh, we've come to the end of today's episode. So, Professor, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today. It's a great pleasure to have um, both of you with us. Thank you for listening to the Insight Podcast. To learn more about China Development Society, follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and WeChat.